Hello, and welcome to the Astrology Hub podcast. My name is Amanda Poole Walsh, and I'm the founder of Astrology Hub and the host of this podcast. And today we have a special bonus Christmas eclipse episode with Philip Daniel Miles, an astrologer who brings a lot of the tarot into his work and is an avid YouTuber on his channel, Unifying Perspectives. Philip got into astrology when he was looking for deeper purpose and meaning, looking outside to things like conspiracy theories, all the way to theories on Kundalini energy. And astrology just kept following him everywhere as it seems to do for those of us who are chosen by it. And yes, that includes you. Philip heard an interview with one of our 2020 Forecast Marathon speakers, Kai Pacha, and that's when his love for astrology took a professional turn. In that fateful interview, Kai Pacha said, it's great to get readings, but the best thing anyone interested in astrology can do is to become their own astrologer. Philip went full-time professional astrologer in 2013, and he never looked back. The focus of this episode is on the two upcoming eclipses, the Christmas solar eclipse and the mid-January lunar eclipse. As Philip will mention, these eclipses will be impacting us for the entire year. He also says that through eclipses, we get the most substantial releases and our most brilliant new beginnings because we're directed to what we are most called to explore, whether we know it or not. Philip dives into what actually creates eclipses. Rahu, the north node of the moon, also known as the head of the dragon without a body, and Ketu, the south node of the moon, the tail of the dragon without a head. Our first Christmas eclipse brings together Saturn, Pluto, and Jupiter together in the sign of Capricorn for the first time in 735 years. If you want to know what was happening in the world astrologically and even spiritually in the year 1284, the last time we saw this specific alignment, you'll want to make sure and tune into this episode. Now it's coming full circle, and we're very likely to see an emergence of people stepping out of the limitations of linear time and the confines of the Gregorian calendar to reawaken their heart, integrate the divided masculine and feminine energies inside of themselves, and remember en masse that we are the authors of our own story. This is an opportunity to restore ourselves from the fall in consciousness that took place many centuries ago. The second eclipse in January will serve to solidify this transformation, and we're likely to see big changes to structures, rules, regulations, and traditions that no longer make any sense to us. This transformation will spiral throughout the year. This episode is for you if you have always felt eclipses as significant, if you're interested in the deeper spiritual meanings of Rahu and Ketu, if you're intrigued by the massive changes coming in 2020 astrologically, if you want to hear the story of the birth of Venus, or if you're curious about the correlations between chakras, music, mudras, and the planets themselves. These eclipses are a potent opportunity to go within and reclaim all that's been lost, all the authority we've given away. It's time to bring it back. With that, let's open our minds and our hearts for the brilliance that is Philip. Philip, it is my turn now. So you interviewed me on your channel, and now it's my turn to interview you. And I'm super excited to have you on the Astrology Hub podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for reaching out to me and returning this great opportunity to connect with you. It's an absolute joy and a pleasure to share space. Well, you know what? We had so much fun on the first interview that I was like, oh, and you brought up a topic while we were doing that talk that I was like, oh my gosh, I want to share this with our audience. I think they're going to love it. So before we go into that, though, I would love to just share with the audience a little bit more about your journey to astrology, how you became an astrologer, and just walk us through that a little bit. 
Well, thank you. It's a great opportunity for me to share with you and your audience what my great joy and passion for this craft is. And that is, a craft is actually a circle. And so I came into this circle through my exploration of finding myself. And I was looking all around me, like we do when you're looking around a circle, out at this, out at that, trying to find the answers to my own personal philosophy. But all of the answers were pointing me back in, back to the centre of the circle. And it was through the exploration of maybe conspiracy theories and spiritual topics like kundalini yoga or uh, this kind of exploration, uh, even psychedelic exploration. But all of it was pointing back within. And astrology was pebble dashed throughout all of my exploration. And it was something that I kind of didn't push away. It was just that I was always interested it just kept coming back up a bit like when you were um, trying to nail something down and it, it, it's like a sore thumb. <laughs> but eventually I embraced the astrology after seeing an interview of Kay Patcher. Uh, uh, he was interviewed by a brilliant co-creator who interviewed lots of different people called Lilou Marseille or Lilou Mace. She does the Juicy Living Tour and she interviews all kinds of inspirational spiritual leaders. Lilou, the girl from Hawaii? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, nice. Okay, there you are. You've got this Hawaii connection going, Philip. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's very uh she has been very inspirational to my spiritual journey because she opens the door to this great tool which is um for mastering our spiritual experience and that's called the 100-day reality challenge where we can say how much can we embrace ourselves through the course of a 100-day video diary? It's not that you have to make a blog every day, but you can certainly map how much we're able to heal ourselves and overcome some of our greatest fears or holdbacks or self-imposed limitations. And I've done that practice a fair few times since 2011 when I first started to do that. And it was around that time when I saw her interview Capacho as well. And by that point, I'd already actually embraced so much astro astrological information that I wasn't even aware that I had a great clout of information under my belt. And the piece of information that I really picked up and absorbed in this interview with Capacho was he loves to give astrology readings. But really, what he would say is the best thing for anybody who's got an interest in astrology to do was to become your own astrologer. And so that's what I decided to do. And ever since then, I've been reading books almost every single day, just researching and learning and studying about my own chart. And it was actually a 2013, 2014 that I had acquired so much information that I really, as a Capricorn, I don't like to do things wrong until I know them completely and utterly. But I pushed myself out there and um, I um, decided that I was going to go to a spiritual kind of day where they had music playing and these kinds of things in the community. And I was doing impromptu natal chart readings for people. And that was really um, a lot of pressure to be put under for my first experience, it felt. And especially as really astrology isn't really known for the depth it can offer. And so I had to ex firstly explain the value of it. And secondly, say, well, I need these details and to criteria uh, the depth of your chart and then explain it. But it was great fun wowing people and connecting with a couple of people who already knew a little bit about astrology as well. And so that gave me the guts and the confidence to start making my YouTube videos about astrology. So I'd already been making videos with this 100-day challenge for quite a while and other kind of philosophical, poetic rants. <laughs> They're not really rants, but dialogues. And so then I started to make monthly 
new moon and full moon reports and ever since then i didn't stop and uh you have had the opportunity to work full-time as an astrologer since 2016. uh i worked with the astro larger youtube channel which was giving me a, a great opportunity to reach out to a broader audience and ever since i'm always still learning oh, oh yes i missed a lovely part of the story out i also in 2014 had the opportunity to join a astrological um circle working with people who had studied astrology for three decades or more um, some of them studied at the lodge in London and so I was learning and rubbing shoulders with some of the best if you will or most experienced astrologers in the local community and learning through every other week different guest speakers and so I would sit there quite uh, to myself for the first few months for the first six months and then I would start to ask my out-the-box questions and bring uh, my um, kind of knowledge and spiritual out-the-box perspectives to what was very academically well-taught class and some of them, I could look, they were looking at me like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? And um, it was a really great benefit to be around so many um, masters of their class, if you will. Brilliant. I love that. And I just have to acknowledge, so you're talking about astrology being a circle, like a craft that's a circle. And what happened earlier today, which I'm going to fill you all in on, is quite amazing when it when we talk about synchronicities so we were recording with kai pacha earlier today and philip because of the time zone we had a time zone miscommunication and so he popped in at the beginning of kai pacha's interview and was like oh my gosh kai pacha i'm meeting you and i didn't realize when this happened philip that kai pacha was the one who really got you started on your whole astrological journey so that was a really big moment that we got to witness and I mean, talk about full circle. That's incredible. Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, and uh, obviously, I've since then, the past hour, I've been buzzing because although I love, it's really, a, I'll be buzzing just talking to you, Amanda, and talking to Chris, uh, who's your colleague here. And uh, it's just exciting to connect with anybody who's passionate about astrology. But for that journey to come, as you say, full circle is very completing and gives the enthusiasm from the heart to, to really just keep doing what I love. And especially as I've spoken to so many great influential astrologers within the community, um, as I say, like I have done this YouTube channel and I've um, interviewed you, as you mentioned, as well as many other fantastically inspirational figures. And so to have the opportunity to uh, connect with Kaipacha and maybe build a bridge there is very exciting for me. Mm, very cool. Okay. So, Philip, let's talk about the eclipses. I, I have a particular interest in eclipses because I have found them to be very, very powerful. And when, you, when you're aware of the energy, when you're aware of the themes, I mean, they're actually, for me, so far in my experience working with astrology, one of the most powerful forces. So I'd love to hear and have you share with everybody what we have coming up for the Christmas eclipse. That's a, a solar eclipse, correct? And then we have a lunar eclipse coming in the beginning of January. So tell us the significance of these eclipses and what they're going to be bringing up for all of us. Wow. Thank you very much for opening up this conversation. It's obviously very exciting. It was actually an eclipse that I witnessed and watched here in the UK. Um, I'm not quite sure which year it was. I think it was in 2013 or 14. And uh, this was when I decided that I was going to be an astrologer professionally. I mean, it was a passion, it was a, uh, it was a hobby, it was something I was really interested in. And that was the tipping point then. And the last eclipse before that that I had witnessed was actually in, whew, 
I haven't got a year for sure, but it was visible in the UK in the middle of the day, and I watched it in London in Hyde Park come across uh, the sky. And that was a solar eclipse as well. I believe that was in maybe um, in 1999. And so that's pretty phenomenal. And so the nodes are what create these eclipses. It's these nodal axis, which is Rahu, the north node, which is the head of the dragon. And it's, it's that actually it can gobble up as much as it wants uh, with direction and zeal because it is a head without any body. And so if you were just a head with anybody, you could eat the whole buffet if you would like of information or whatever criteria that this placement would form. 180 degrees opposite, we have the tail of the dragon, which is just a body without a head. <laughs> and so this is representing our past and really the collective past consciousness. I also like to reckon it with the cellular memory because our body's made of trillions of cells and it is within these cells that is storing all our stories. I mean, it says it in the words, store stories. And so within our cellular membrane, we have our Akashic records. This is the way I like to experience it and see it. And another astrologer, um, that colleague of mine, Lada Dunchiva, she told me that actually another way to see Ketu is actually it's like Ganesh, an elephant that never forgets. And so it is through the purging of the letting go, Ketu, the South Node, that we let go of stories that don't serve us, but can also bring up information which is very valuable that is from other experiences and maybe other lifetimes or even through our bloodline that can be really utilized and rectified uh, for instance if we worked as an astrologer in another life this can be something that we gather ourselves when we get actually when we gather ourselves when we realize who we are we actually collect that information but also it can be much trauma for instance if we had a uh, past life end or a future life end and not even say it's all past life sometimes these can be future lives as well and or if we had a karmic relationship with another being which we encountered this is all stored in our cellular memory and so these are the nodes of the moon the north node rahu the south node ketu and it is through every lunar cycle that we have an opportunity to release in the full moon and so what we do is we release a story then it's like we release a layer and the moon is full, but like a DVD or disc. And so it's just like we're releasing that story. Oh, it doesn't serve me anymore because I've managed to feel it. It may not have just been that month or those two weeks. It may have been a whole lifetime that we've been looking to release that story. However, it is through the eclipses that we get our most substantial releases and our most brilliant new beginnings because we are directed to where we're most uh, called to explore, whether it's something that we have not felt but has been bubbling up through the surface or somewhere which we have never even laid our eyes on before depending on whether it's a north node rahu eclipse or whether it's a south node k2 eclipse and so this can really change the collective consciousness and the direction in which we are headed within the peaks and troughs or the rivets and divots of our conscious exploration as a human race as well as individuals, which are basically like we're all individual cells within the human race. We're all contributing within our own way to the collective. And so throughout the, the evolution of ourselves consciously and spiritually, we have the opportunity to let go of things that don't serve us and heal time as a whole and explore and expand as the leading fringe of awareness. I love that. 
Okay. So tell us about, and I've had that experience. It's, it's very true that, that there's, it's like this um, quantum opportunity to do that sort of releasing and, and renewing, you know, and going in directions that you never even imagined. So tell us about the significance of this upcoming eclipse. Why is this one so powerful? Why should we be paying attention? Well, firstly, I must say, <laughs> I don't want to skip around the edges of the circle too long, Amanda, but you did work, mention a key word, and that key word is quantum. Because time, as we have been taught by the structure and the rules and regulations, a very Saturnian construct, like even a piece of string, it's taut, tight, <laughs> straight, like a line, like a linear line. And what we are learning is that time is more secular just like the lunar cycles, just like all of the cycles are just going round and round. <laughs> and so what we learn through the wholeness of time that they do just bring us round and about. It's the sun, which takes 365 days or so to go round the calendar. We actually use the Gregorian calendar at the moment, which I call a broken circle. Another tradition, maybe, that doesn't serve us too well. And there is if we go back, harken back in history, you can see how long we've used these traditions that don't serve us so well with regards to our counting of time. And we all count on time. I mean, sometimes we get things wrong and we turn up too early and sometimes we get things right and we turn up just at the right time, even if it wasn't planned. And so it's all divine in some way or another, whether you're going left or if you feel you're doing the right thing. And so what we learn through this exploration of time is that actually we are coming into an eclipse in Capricorn. And this is happening three days after the winter solstice 2019, this year. And so this is really exciting. It depends where you are in the earth, what day this falls. It could be on Christmas day, or it could be, which is December the 25th, or it could be that it's happening on the 26th of December, which is my solar return, my birthday. <laughs> oh, happy birthday. That's exciting. Thank you. Yeah, it's quite exciting. To have an eclipse on your uh, solar return is very phenomenal. I mean, to even have a new moon or a full moon or, uh, on your birthday is only happens once or twice a lifetime. And so it's quite exciting. Who's to say what it might bring around? With uh, this eclipse falling in Capricorn, it's falling at a very exciting time for us because we've already got Saturn at home in its home sign. Saturn rules both Capricorn and Aquarius in ancient astrology. Although, I, not to exclude Uranus, I'm very keen on uh, Uranus, uh, and so that also rules Aquarius. But Saturn is in Capricorn and has been since the end of 2017 and shall be until uh, midway through 2020 when it makes its ingress into Aquarius for a cup of tea or two before it regresses back into Capricorn. Anyway, Pluto is also in Capricorn and it shall be until 2024. It's been there since 2008. Um, which is when we had the initial collapse of the banking system, a very supportive, I say that word um, testingly, system which we put our uh, faith into uh, to really give us the world as a society some kind of structure to our monetary system. Also, it takes, well, this is interesting. So it takes uh, Pluto about 240 years to do a cycle, okay? And it takes Saturn 28 years to do a cycle. Jupiter is also making its ingress into Capricorn in December. It takes Jupiter 12 years to do a cycle because it spends a year on each sign. And so for the joining of Jupiter to, into Capricorn with Saturn in its home sign and Pluto, which has been there, as I say, for quite a while, this is quite a substantial little pileup we've got going on. 
because it's the first time in 735 years that each of these planets have been in Capricorn. They don't very often meet in one sign as it is anyway. I believe the last time that they met was in Taurus, another Earth sign. However, the last time that they were all in Capricorn was in the year 1284. We call that the 1300s for some bizarre reason, but that doesn't matter right now. And so I was that I had to do a little bit of research. What was going on back then? Well, I knew very well that we had a different type of cosmology uh, at that point. We were working, because this is what I learned through researching astrology. And it was actually my research of cosmology that brought astrology to me. I mean, there's so many different concepts that we have used or utilized or that we have pushed away or not really explored entirely. And one of my greatest excitements was uh, the hollow earth theory. It's very interesting and I loved it. It was so adventurous. And so there was that. And, but we actually were working with a cosmology that placed Earth at the center of our experience. This foundation was the template for which astrology was initially founded back in the years of the Mesopotamian age, which is the place, uh, there was a civilization uh, called Mesopotamia, and this is where astrology was rooted to. I mean, I've read a very great book by Chris Brennan, uh, Hellenistic Astrology. Uh, he's a great a te astrology teacher. And uh, in that book, he was talking about all of the different roots of astrology, all of the original uh, teachings, all of the house mechanisms, and it all rooted back to Egypt and Mesopotamia and the Vedic tradition. However, way back then, we worked with the spheres of influence back in, uh, and back in 1284. Bring it back to that current date. I say current. As I say, I can get lost in time when I'm exploring all of these different scenarios. But in 1284, we were working with this in, uh, the cosmology of the spheres. What, rather than planets in space, we were working with layers, which were spheres of influence, a bit like layers of an onion. And so the planets really do teach us quite well about the order. But the way that it was conceived back then was that these were different layers of our awareness. You could even say, this is a bit like our auric field or our chakra prints within our body as well. And so this is also represented through the musical tones. And do excuse me if I get these wrong now, uh, but do, re, mi, fa, re, so, something like that. I mean, I might, uh, uh, do, it goes at the end and do, re, do, 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 do. This is the chromatic scale, I believe. And these are also represented of the chakra points and mudras and planets as well. Anyway, so the point being, that it was in 1284, one day or a couple of days after the winter solstice on the 24th of December, that we had a very substantial full moon eclipse. And the moon was in Cancer and we had a massive pile up in Capricorn. In fact, this was a, uh, a solar eclipse and so that we uh, are building to. So basically it was the North Node Rahu with the Sun, Mars, Venus retrograde in Capricorn, Pluto at the same degree as Saturn and Mercury and Jupiter was there also. I haven't actually got all of the uh, other planets uh, lined up, but this is the most amazing substantial chart that you can find. If anybody would like to check it and you've got the apparatus to do so, you can even visit, if you haven't got your own astrology program, then you can visit planetwatcher.com and check it out for yourselves. And this is uh, the 24th of December, 1284. And this is very amazing to have such a pile up in one sign. The synthesis that I give this is that Rahu 
the North Node was in Capricorn at this time. And so it was an exploration of new territory and traditions, maybe even letting go opposite of the emotional, supportive, nourishing spiritual experience that really allowed us to know the depth of our own being and moving into something which was quite alienating and unsupportive for our own physical, because our bodies are made of water and emotions, as well as spiritual health. And so what we slowly, through the course of many, many moons, many, many cycles upon cycles, centuries, uh, have had the downfall of our consciousness. We had a fall from consciousness because we stepped away from knowing ourselves at the center of creation. And what I mean is not just about Earth. I mean about everybody listening, being the author of their own experience. You, Amanda, being the center of your creativity. And this means about having appropriate boundaries and saying also that I am the person who signs the script and writes my own authority, who is actually the author of our own story. And so we started to look to governments. We started to look to go and work for somebody else doing this or doing a job doing that. And we looked for support outside and maybe we could pull on something else to really keep us upright. And we lost a lot of our knowledge with regards to us within ourselves, the real yin and the yang, uh, the receptivity of our inner experience, the light and the dark, the negative, which can be very beneficial, and the positive, which is equally so. And so us as the healers of time, now we are bringing into our awareness the heritage that has been forgotten because we've been so obsessed with the timelines of history. We've been caught up in a patriarchy of even not just a masculine, the, a masculine energy that has been dominating, but very low vibration because really the highest vibration is the high voltage that we find within us, within our hearts. And yet both the masculine has been suffering and the feminine has been suffering. And so what we're looking to do now is come into a unifying perspective of unified consciousness, Christ consciousness at its highest. And this is not a religion. This is empowerment of the individual, empowerment of the heart, which was something that maybe wasn't entirely so back in 1284, but was a lot more empowered than it is now. And some, many people would say, if I was having this conversation along the way, that actually we have developed quite a lot and there's been very great advancements since then and we've actually advanced ourselves quite, uh, into a manner of greater intelligence and greater durability. And yet there has been very, very, very many beneficial situations that have progressed us since then. But we've also lost so much wisdom. The suppression of wisdom, like just simply the knowledge of astrology, for instance as well as the empowerment of our own species, is knowing that we're both feminine and masculine, that we have two sides and hemispheres to our brain. Actually, we are able to see each one of ourselves as the centre and that there is no competition apart from the loving of ourselves. We don't have to look down on anyone. We don't have to look up against anyone. We can all just gaze across at each other in love and know that everybody else is a reflection of ourselves. And any situation within our experience is our subconscious playing out, imposing back on them into us so that we can learn that we are the native and that we can be able to sacrifice our need to fight with other people by becoming the alter native, the alternative experience of love. And if we're not able to love that which is right in front of us, then we love ourselves more and more. And this is the experience which I believe we're stepping into more awareness of through this next eclipse.
because as I say, this is the first time we've had Jupiter back in Capricorn with Saturn and Pluto since then. And this is a new Jupiterian cycle since it has just just spent the past year or so in its home sun of Sagittarius. And so it's a whole new 12 year cycle with regards to our philosophy. And when it's joining Saturn and Pluto, this is changing the template. And we will be seeing that we're letting go of any of the traditions that we have built that don't serve us. And we'll be alchemizing the gold within our soul, which is really what Pluto is all about. It's about bringing an end to things that don't serve us and renewing them. It's the change, the one consistent change. I really liken Pluto to um, the Combine Harvester because it, it excavates the trenches, it digs up the fertile soil from beneath the surface. And this forgotten heritage is that which has been forgotten, been pushed down, suppressed. I, our awareness has been suppressed, not by any enemy, but maybe by our own negligence as a species to comprehend that actually through changing a calendar, we can really lose ourselves. And so by stepping into the Gregorian calendar, we've been kind of kicked out our own circle, kicked out our own bodies and not taken moments of meditation, contemplation between the moments to soothe ourselves and to find our hearts in all of these moments. Yeah, I always think of the the disconnect that's happened with a Gregorian calendar is just like you said, it's disconnecting us from the natural rhythm. It's disconnecting us from ourselves. And, you know, as you're speaking, I'm remembering last Christmas and how bummed I was because as a Capricorn, I love tradition. I love the lights. I love I love the music. I love the way that Christmas smells and the way that it sounds and all of it. And yet I found myself so disappointed because of exactly what you're talking about. There was not enough spirit. There was like real spirit. There was not enough soul. There was not enough like meaning. It was like, so all this, it was like the best foreplay ever, right? For like two minutes. And you're like, oh God, really? You know, that's what it felt like. It felt like, you know, this big buildup, there's so much beauty in the whole season itself. And then Christmas is really about just like tearing open presents and then Christmas quote unquote is over after the presents are done. Like, ew, that just doesn't feel... This doesn't feel right, you know? So I love what you're talking about. I mean, this is an opportunity for us to come back to the spiritual, the depth of meaning, to let go of the traditions and the things that just don't, that feel empty, really, and leave all of us feeling empty anyways, right? And infuse it with new meaning, with new purpose, and with new understanding that I love that you're bringing the Christ consciousness, because to me, that is, you know, Christ was saying, look, this is the power within all of you. Like, this is who you are. Like, I'm going to model this, this uh, lifetime of love, but like, that's who you are. It's not for us to go, oh, look, he did that. But like, oh, we, we're just going to be here and do, you know, do the thing and be the victims. It's like, no, like he was showing us that that's, that's within us as well. So, so basically what you're saying is in 1284, when this last eclipse kind of cycle or family was, I'm not going to say family because I know it's a whole nother thing, but this last eclipse with this much um, energy in Capricorn happened that it was sort of the end of a very spiritual awareness and then since then we've been in this very materialistic minds you know frame of minds frame of consciousness and that because we're having the same eclipse again this could be an opening for us to go back a little bit but really in a new way to a more spiritual understanding correct did i like synthesize that okay 
immaculate amanda you do a very fantastic job because you've got a great amount of knowledge and experience within your heart and soul with this astrology tradition and even the spirit like within the spiritual concept as well of knowing that we are empowered to our center of our being and the, the mythology of um some of the pantheon of the gods is very beneficial with regards to this uh, actually when in my research for what was going on in 1284 i'm no historian but when being a good astrologer will check out what has been going on in history so we can find uh, connections and synchronicities and the, the synthesis of time. And so it was only a couple of things I could find. And there was a new king, I think he was in, in, front, in France, I can't remember his name. Uh, however, the other piece of information that came up was that there was a myth started and it was actually in six months before this uh, 1284 eclipse on, Christ, on Christmas Eve, that we had uh, the Pied Piper of Hamelin, which was a famous myth of uh, Piper, the Pied Piper, came into the city of Hamelin playing his pipe, and he actually kidnapped a lot of children by mesmerizing them with his pipe playing. And that's a bit of a, a dark story, uh, just touching on the surface of it. However, the children is very resonant with a certain type of consciousness. and. You can even say that the energy of Venus, although we, in the tradition of astrology, the way we've been taught it is that feminine energy, but really it is about this loving, more and more, the child kind of loving sprightly energy. I feel like it's very resonant with that. And so also there's another myth which is in alignment with this uh, Pied Piper, and that is the St. Patrick myth. This is brought to my attention by a fellow astrologer as well. And they said, actually, they played the snakes out of Ireland uh, with his pipe playing, which is exactly the same story, isn't it? They see the similarity there. And so rather than it being such a dark and scary story as maybe what the other one was with uh, driving the, kidnapping the children, we can see that this is Christ consciousness. This is this is love that maybe is going on in these stories because I'm going to really bring this together here. And that is that also... In a very well-known astrological story, Saturn was employed, employed, implored, encouraged by by its mother Gaia, uh, by Mother Earth. It was actually his partner uh, to go and cut the phallus off of Uranus. The phallus, and the, Uranus is the sky god, like the firmament, the starry vault above our heads. And it was that Saturn wasn't a huge fan of grandfather. Uranus and so he was like yes mother without a problem without an issue I'll be happy to do so and he went and cut off the palace and then threw the phallus uh, into the ocean I liken the ocean to the subconscious ocean and out of this arose a foamy mess and through the sea came Aphrodite the goddess of all beautiful valuable and worthwhile things all things nice sugar and some spice and she was Venus in the, the pantheon of the gods and the planets, the archetypes. And so what I see this is actually the separation of our awareness of knowing that we are both Mars and Venus. We are both Saturn and Jupiter. We are both moon and sun. We are both yin and yang. We're dark and light. We're negative and positive. And everything comes together to make a beautiful cake, cake mixture. And so we cannot separate ourselves and say, hey, I'm Libra. What are you? Are you oh, you're Aries, are you? Okay, well, we're actually all the signs and we're all the planets. We're all of the ingredients. We're all of the tendencies. Sometimes we're angry. Sometimes we're passionate. 
sometimes we're very open and sometimes we are like no thank you very much so we have the cap capacity and the capabilities to assert all of the different varieties and it's actually beneficial for us to not neglect any part of this uh, experience because we are wholeness and i like to consciously empower wholeness and encourage that we can explore those areas of our lives that we've least explored and so in 1284 that was going on and we had the separation that of our awareness of being whole or being at the center of wholeness i'm seeing that actually now we're returning to the the depth and the awareness and the inspiring enthusiasm of knowing that we are complete we're not broken because when you work with a broken circle you, if we just look at an astrology chart it's 360 degrees like every circle and if you start adding degrees to it it's not a circle anymore and so if we've got a, a calendar that works with extra days to it then we're really not doing very well and that's not to say that we're not well we're unwell it just means that we can maybe restore some of these traditions and really come back to our root because that's what heritage is all about it's about the root of a tree it's where we were seeded from and we're seeded from the center because when when a sperm goes into an egg which is another circle it goes straight to the middle and every circle is six 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 in diameter and so if a sperm is going into the center that's just two sixes that's the root 66 that's the root to the north and the polarity of our heart is that north star we are that that's not to negate the parameter, which is our self side. Uh, it is actually just the flip reversal of that. And so we pay attention to both. And this is really what we're learning, how we can be the masters of our own creation, rather than saying that we need some outside force to support us. We support ourselves from the inside out. So good, Philip. You know, I, um, growing up, I didn't even know what the solstice was or the equinox was and didn't pay much attention to, to any of that. But I have found that, you know, what you're talking about is returning to like, what is the natural cycle? What is, what is the real clock? Right. And even the way that we do the hours just doesn't make any sense, you know? So, but when you, when you start to associate with the lunar cycle and you start to associate with the sun and the way the sun moves through the sky and the solstice and the equinox, and you pay attention to those things, you're already coming back to a more connected place. And yes, we live on the Gregorian calendar and that's great and all. And I don't know if that's going to change anytime soon. Maybe it will, but we can start paying attention to these things. And the more that we we infuse the rhythm ourselves in our own lives. I mean, it's one of the reasons why in the inner circle, why we have, we have it aligned around the lunar cycle. Because A, it's something you can see in the sky, you can track it. And B, there's a lot of potency and creating rituals around these, these cycles. So yeah, I think, you know, I think we are headed back. I think we are headed there. In a lot of ways, there's a lot of people saying, huh, like, why do we do it that way? It doesn't actually make sense. You know, and so there is a there is a callback, and I know that the astrology hub community. There's lots of people in the astrology hub community feeling that, and I'm sure in your communities as well. So, all right. So, Philip, is there anything else you want to add about this upcoming eclipse that we should be aware of as we're going to be working with this energy on Christmas Day or the day after? Well, this is the first of a couple of eclipses because they come in eclipse cycles, and so the first one is this one which we've got. It's the next eclipse, and that is happening on Christmas Day, the 25th or the 26th. And this is a K2 South Node eclipse, which if you remember, I was just saying that it is actually the body, the embodiment of our cellular memory. And back in 1284, that was a Rahu North Node eclipse when we're exploring new territory. 
And so what we're doing now is tapping inwardly to our consciousness within ourselves and restoring that to great prominence, to where it deserves to be. We're finding that we are able to find the nourishment within ourselves and know intuitively how to bring all of the consciousness of astrology, of spirituality, of practices like yoga, of good nourishing food and how to learn from our children and not say that they have to pay so much respect to elders and find that we're all equal equality in all areas of life this is really what we're finding by tapping into k2 the south node and we're letting go of any structures any foundations or any kind of wonky traditions that aren't going to support us and we're going to find that actually we have another eclipse which is with the north node rahu in cancer and so we're exploring our emotions. We haven't really had emotions supported within our society. We're like, oh, I was late for work. Why? Oh, I just wasn't feeling very well. Uh, I was feeling a little bit stressed, a little bit depressed, and even postnatal depression and of just having a baby. Like people have to go sometimes to work within a couple of weeks rather than having months or even years to take care of their children as parents, as mothers, as fathers. Oh my gosh, Philip, I was in Hula last night and one of my Hula sisters announced that she's pregnant and she works full time. And she had a breakdown moment of like, I am so overwhelmed at work. It's so hard for me to like show up the way I need to show up. And we had this moment of like, you know, it's totally unnatural that you should be able to show up the way you always show up. Like that just doesn't make any sense. You're creating a human being. Like, Of course you're tired. Of course it's hard for you to do the things you did before. So sorry, I digress, but I just wanted to point that, you know, just bring it up because it's real and it's happening in people's lives all the time that we aren't allowed to really feel what we're feeling. We just have to keep doing. My, my last partner, I met her and she was pregnant and she was encouraged to go back to work after 10 weeks and she felt so pressure. It was so distressing for her and she felt obliged because of the society constructs and she did somewhat have to go to the work and then I said, and I'm taking care of her, her baby who was only a few months old. And so basically then I showed her and said, though, you are here to, to parent your daughter and you're not meant to feel that you're being told to by some outside authority, you're here to authorize your own love. And since then, she's been working from home. She's a brilliant parent. She's learning from her daughter and her son. And she's quit that job now and she's become a yoga instructor. How great is that? Oh my gosh, maybe that's that will be the fate of my hula sister too. A huge transition. Okay, so so talk to us. So so we're letting go on the Christmas uh, eclipse of traditions and structures and things that don't serve us, and then in the Cancer eclipse in January, we're embracing a more emotional side of ourselves and allowing that to come into our lives in a new way. Yeah, and we don't know how to do that very well. So it can be like, oh, how do I do it? Do I do from inspirational dance hula hula dance or do i do it through going and having a mental breakdown but hey it's mental but this world is a mental construct so it's okay baby you're able to scream and shout you do what you need to because you can be celebrated by leading with this emotional expression and the funny thing is that we will have this tower moment where we have pluto meeting saturn on the 12th of january a couple of weeks after and so uh, which is around the time of this second eclipse. And so basically, we're looking to find that these structures we've brought to their demise and anything that won't support us will either get stricter and 
uh, uh, where we decide that we're just not going to co uh, comply anymore, or we're going to find an alternative way of doing things that does support our emotional well-being. And so we can find that we're taking ourselves out of the traditional uh, roles and finding that we can find ones which are much more pioneering, but more to our original core, to our original root of being. And so we're celebrating ourselves, we're celebrating our nature, and we're finding an alternative, as I said earlier, the alternative of our experience. And the finally great thing is that all of this continual year is going to be about that journey because these eclipses, they last for a long time. They bleed out like the dye when you, put, when you do tie-dye clothing, right? And so eventually, by the time that we get to the next winter solstice, at the end of 2020, we have the great conjunction of Jupiter meeting Saturn in the early degrees of Aquarius. And this can really bring a great foundation to the love of wisdom within the communities that we've been working towards for quite so many years. People like yourself and myself and many of the people listening to this who've been working and doing their due diligence in their professional work as well as in their personal work are going to find empowerment to lead by being that change and find that they are helping many other people find their way back to the centre of their experience also. Mm, a very uplifting message, Philip. Thank you so much. And the invitation for all of us is really to bring in, infuse this level of awareness, this level of consciousness, this level of spirituality into this season, into this time. And we get to dream into the future that we're creating. I mean, that there's no script. And so the more that we can sit with what that actually looks like. You know, this Christmas I'm approaching it with, okay, well, if that doesn't work for me, you know, the way that I've done it and the way that it's been, what does? You know, what does work? And how can I be the one who brings it versus waiting for someone else to bring it? It's like, no, if I want to have a different experience that has more spirit and more soul, I need to bring that to the table or else it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. I completely and utterly agree. And sometimes it takes a bigger catalyst to shake us a little bit, to bring us into that center of our experiences. And not just the kind of guy who says it's all roses and all going to be a, a festival of light and love, but what it is is an opportunity to find more inspiration, that inner enthusiasm to go after things which are fulfilling, which do allow us to overflow with the love that we truly are and find that we are writing our own script. And it, as you say, is a blank canvas. And so any catalyst, any opportunities are really just redirecting ourselves because the direction we were headed was not going to be fulfilling for our overall arc of our own story. Absolutely. Philip, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Merry Christmas to you if you celebrate Christmas. Um, and just thank you so much. It's wonderful to connect with you here. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it's lovely to connect with you, Amanda, and brilliant to share with your fantastic audience. You have been a great inspiration to me, sharing with all of the different brilliant people you have on board. So it's an absolute honor for you to open up this opportunity for me as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today to our bonus Christmas episode. I hope you loved it. If you're curious about other rare planetary alignments happening in 2020, make sure to check out the 2020 Astrology Forecast Marathon, where 12 astrologers who have all been featured on this podcast are offering their predictions for what's going to be an incredibly transformative year. You can register for free by visiting us over at astrologyup.com slash 2020 forecast. 
In this free event, top astrologers will walk you through every month of 2020 and get you fully prepared for the unique opportunities and challenges. This includes key dates, energetic signatures, and their take on global and personal events to come. Make sure you register even if you can't make the dates and times. We'll be offering the replays for free for 48 hours, or you can have them as a bonus gift when you become an Inner Circle member. Stay tuned for more details on this. With that said, I want to thank you for tuning in today, for being a part of our community, and as always, for making astrology a part of your life. Happy holidays and happy eclipse. I'll catch you on the next episode.